This is Darrell Alia, and you're listening to episode 104 of the Before the Millions podcast. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. In 2015, Psychology Today produced an article titled 51 Signs of an Unhealthy Relationship. You guys know the types of relationships we're talking about. You know, those, those toxic connections. And this article blew up and it came across the eyeballs of one of my good mentors, Cliff Ravenscraft. And he wanted to break down this article and he did thoroughly in 2017. And I could just want to kind of share with you guys what I read in the article, some of his thoughts and some of my thoughts surrounding unhealthy relationships. Going through this article, I started seeing some similarities. I started drawing some connections, right? And I'm not going to read to you all 51 signs. If you want to go check it out, you can. But I want you to start thinking about some of these warning signs in the relationships that you're in and maybe a relationship that you haven't quite positioned in your mind to be a relationship, but maybe you should. This episode is titled My Unhealthy Relationship with Money. And our guest on today's show, Mr. Chris Bruce, he talks about his unhealthy relationship and how he's been struggling no matter how successful he got, but how he struggled with money time and time again. We're going to talk about the problem. We're going to get into his solution. We're going to get into your solution. But to give you guys a quick background on Chris, he's been investing for the past nine years, eight of which have been full time. He's flipped over 200 real estate deals in five different markets. He has a digital marketing company that's set to hit seven figures this year. So on this episode, we're going to talk about some things like, you know, what happens when your tenant drug dealer gets shot and killed? Devastating. How to recover from foreclosure as an investor. And I can tell you that right there is a sign of an unhealthy relationship with money. Maybe there are signs in your life that you are in an unhealthy relationship with money and it's time to face the facts. It's time to own up to our mistakes and figure out a solution, right? You know, so as I was reading that article, I was looking at all the reasons and all the warning signs, just like, man, this is crazy. Like one of the warning signs that indicates that you are in an unhealthy relationship with your partner, whether that be your spouse or anybody else or even money, right? But one of those signs was that you don't have a sense of relationship security, So maybe you've broken up with your spouse or almost broken up with your spouse numerous times. Another one was that you end up doing things that you are ashamed of in the course of interacting with each other. Another sign is that you're not sure how dependable, supportive, or reliable your partner would be in a situation where you really needed them. These are signs of an unhealthy relationship. I mean, with this last example, think about like if a close family member got cancer, how dependable, how supportive, how reliable would your spouse be? 
if you really needed them, right? Same goes for money. Again, you may not have that sense of security in that relationship. Again, we're looking at money as a being. Another warning sign, you may blame your partner for your life not being as satisfying as you'd like it to be. Wow, that one may hit home for a lot of people. You may be feeling like you're making a sacrifice for your ambitions because of your partner. Or in the money sense, you may feel as though your partner is the reason why you are not satisfied. This is an unhealthy relationship. Here's another one. Your life together may seem out of control. For example, you both spend much more than you earn. People, can you relate? Or this one, you worry that your partner might hurt you. You have a sense of being trapped in the relationship. There are 51 of these. I'm not going to go through all of them, but you guys get the idea, right? Okay, maybe two more. Here's one. You feel lonely when you're together. Last but not least, there is an absence of affection in your relationship. And you may be like, well, DeRay, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. And the Bible doesn't say that, actually. It doesn't even say that the love of money is the root of all evil. It's like that game you play when you're a kid with the whole classroom and you start off with the secret and then you whisper it to somebody else's ear and then they whisper it to the next person. And then by the time it gets through the whole classroom and the original message gets back to you, it's a totally new message, right? But what the Bible actually says is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And I 100% believe this like factually, right? But on the flip side of that, I also 100% believe that the love of money can be the root of all kinds of good as well. And we see that prevalent all around the world, all day, every day, the economy, capitalism, philanthropy, right? And I believe what distinguishes the two is our relationship with money. I mean, we already know that we have the power to create any and everything that we could possibly imagine. Deuteronomy 18 says that God has gifted me with the ability to produce wealth. So these two verses don't contradict each other at all, but in fact, make it that much more important to start cultivating a healthy relationship with money. So we're going to learn how to do that here on today's show. In fact, in the tip of the week, I'm going to set you up with the easy exercise that I've been doing since 2017, but I'm going to set you up with an easy exercise to start helping you cultivate a healthy relationship with money. And then Chris is going to help you guys hit it out the park. So let's get to the tip of the week. DeRay's tip of the week. Since we were children, we've been taught that money is the root of all evil. Money is not that important. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. I'm just not that good with money. My family has never been rich. Money is a finite resource. It takes money to make money. I can't live a balanced life if I want to make a lot of money. Money doesn't grow on trees. How many times have your parents told you that? Do I look like an ATM machine? So all our lives, we've been conditioned to have an unhealthy relationship with money. So recently I was in Miami, Florida, and I took an Uber from my hotel to a restaurant and the Uber ride was about six bucks. And it was a nice Uber ride, AC, pleasant guy, nothing out of the normal. As I left the restaurant, I wanted to go back to my hotel on the way back. You know, there are taxis and there are Ubers that wait outside of your hotel or around that area. But at the restaurant, there was no such thing. Now, there was a private car nearby, a Mercedes Benz. And again, this was a private car with a private driver. And his rate was a $35 flat fee to get me back to my hotel. 
Now with this guy, he had cup holders with water in it. He had snacks, all the chargers in the world you can think of, newspapers. So I'll grab me a pack of nuts, seat warmers. He had the works, right? Just added a ton of value. Now you may argue that I take the $6 fare any day, right? But there's a spectrum of us out here in the world. And although a lot of us may take the $6 value, there's a portion of us that may take the $35 value. And that's the market that this driver is catering to, right? But he knows that the more value he can add, the more money he makes. And that's key, really. The more value you can add, the more money you make in this world. And what I've noticed amongst the billionaires of the world, right? And even the millionaires of the world, and some people that have been on the show, is that there comes a certain point in which you stop really caring about the money as a means for it to provide for you, especially once you've gotten past that point to where it provides for you and all your needs, but it gets much more bigger than you, right? Like you don't think that Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and all these people are making more money to provide for themselves. I mean, that's just not, it's not feasible. They can spend that money on themselves even if they tried, but the game is more so how much value can I create in this world? And the money is a measure of the value that they're outputting. And it's always equal to the amount of value that you're giving, no matter how you slice it. So their game is like, I need to be able to keep score of how much value I'm putting out into the world. And this is the best way I've learned how to do this. Again, this is the mindset of some of the most prominent people around the world. How can I add more? I mean, think about Warren Buffett. Think about Berkshire Hathaway. He is constantly looking for value. That's all he does all day, every day. He's looking for value. The more value he can find is the more value he can take and present to his investors as a benefit for them and himself. And thus, in fact, creating more revenue for himself. So he's looking for value all day, every day in these stocks. And the amount of money that Berkshire Hathaway generates is a direct reflection of the value that he's adding to every single person that he touches through his investments. Same goes for the taxi cab driver. Same goes for you at work. You are getting paid equivalent to the value that you're putting out into this world. There's no way around that. So if you want to make more money, the key is to add more value. As real estate investors, we're adding so much value all across the board. I mean, I can't even begin to name to you how far and wide the value stretches. Like going from the point to where you're helping somebody who's about to go into foreclosure, get out of a bad situation, not ding up their credit score, not file for bankruptcy. You're helping that person and that person's family, right? Relocate, maybe start over. That's powerful as an investor. And guess what? Once you purchase that property, some of those funds, they go to a title company, right? And you're helping all the people in that title company, the mortgage officer and all the escrow officers, right? You're helping them provide for their family and put food on the table. And then when you start the rehab, same with your realtor and your attorney, and all the other people on your team that get paid through this one transaction, how many families, you know, I mean, you, you look at the line items on a closing statement, you're paying off so many people, that's value. And then once the rehab starts, think about all of the contractors and the subcontractors and the workers. I mean, my goodness, that's a ton of families that you're feeding. And then the parts that you have to go get from the store, from Home Depot. Oh, wow. So you're helping the Home Depot employees as well get their paycheck every two weeks. And then they get their products from a manufacturer. So this manufacturing company is getting a benefit as well because their products are being sold and you're helping their employees get paychecks every two weeks. And the manufacturers themselves, they use what we call raw material, you know, porcelain and wood and 
plastic and steel and all that good stuff, right? They have to outsource those as well. And it goes on and on and on. And then you think about the tenants that you're providing housing for, the community that you're revitalizing by rehabbing. It's a powerful thing. And you could just really get soaked up into the good that you're doing in this world as an investor. And some people like to call us pig capitalists, but I mean, I believe that capitalism is the thing that keeps us moving as a country, as an economy ahead of all the other countries, because capitalism sparks value and the amount of value you add sparks income. And that sparks a lot of motivation for a lot of people, because this is the land of the free. This is where everybody around the world comes for opportunity. We create more entrepreneurs than anybody else. And quite frankly, there has been no better time in history. If Chris on the show can do it, you can do it. If the next man can do it, you can do it. If I can do it, you for sure can do it, right? So to end out the tip of the week, I want to play this clip from two of my favorite podcasters, Amy Porterfield and James Wedmore. And they talk about this effect that I'm, I'm talking to you guys about here today, this trickle down effect and how you are adding value to so many people. Again, this is just step one. This is the tip of the week. So this is just step one of cultivating a healthy relationship with money. We're going to get into this a lot on the show, but let me go ahead and play that clip of Amy and James right now so that you can start creating a bulletproof mindset around money. And right after that, we'll get right into the show. So here's that clipping for you guys now. Is when money is hard earned, it's hard to let go. Yes, it's true. You had to like slave over that money. It's really hard to let So true. Because when money starts to flow and I wasn't expecting it, one, I'm probably more charitable. I have more fun with it. I'm not so tight around that money. So true. So I kind of created this analogy for myself to help me with this. So the difference between a dam and a river, the water in a dam is, is like stale and stagnant. And I wanted to go from the dam to the river, which means in order for more to flow in, I have to be okay with it flowing out. And I tried, I read that uh, years ago and I tried that on as an experiment and it was really life-changing for me that really to help improve my relationship with money, I had to get okay with spending it. I mean, I remember just, just like, it was like 2012, 2013, like dropping money on anything was a physically painful experience for me. Hmm. physically painful. Like I, I just couldn't. And I was, I found myself being this total penny pusher. And, and so I wanted to work on that for me. And that was where I got passionately, you know, fascinated about why is this so heavy for me? So, so today I look at it as like a river, you know, where the more I let out, the more it comes in. And, you know, obviously I want the river to be like a Niagara Falls type river. And I found a lot of evidence of that. And so there was a great exercise for those who have that experience of just like, having a really hard time letting go of money because I think that's part of it. It's not just like, well, I can't make it. It's like, can we spend it? Because it's it's there to be used. It's not there to be hoarded and and never touched. I don't believe that. So it's a really cool, really simple exercise. This is kind of a two-part exercise. The first part is like, I try and my litmus test is like, have you ever like, you know, just bought in a pack of gum at like a gas station, right? Right. It's like a no-brainer thing. It doesn't, it doesn't have any weight to it. It's just like, yeah, okay. Your friend wants a, a pack of gum. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it for you. Right. I want everything that I spend money on to feel that way. And when it doesn't, I look at how I can work on that. And so when, let's say you go out to dinner with, with all your friends, we've actually had this experience with Amy. No, don't even you, start. We play credit card roulette. And I'm you pretty gotta sure get- you told this in the last one. 
<laughs> yeah, I just, I told that piece now, but now here's the exercise that we could have done. So like, let's say I get it, you know, credit card roulette, which means like a bunch of people and they all had a fancy like lobster dinner. So all of a sudden I got a $600 bill and that can be physically painful for people like, oh man, that sucks. So what I started doing, and this was really empowered my relationship with money is I started to imagine where that money is going once it leaves my bank account. Ooh, that is good. I started, I look just in that moment, it takes 30 seconds to do, right? So I, I go, okay, well, some of that money is going to this, our server who did a great job and she worked her butt off and that's going to go. And now that's going to pay her rent. And some of that might pay for her car payment so she can have a place to live and she can get groceries. But it's also some of that money is going to go to the cooks who make these delicious meals. And some of that's going to go to the food that it costs to prepare this food. And, you know, and on and on it goes. And that food came from the farmers that, you know, and when you start to do this and actually experience it, you will have a, a, just a drastic shift in your relationship with money because you realize how powerful you are in your contribution and impact that you have in, in others. And now your feature presentation. Today we have on the show Mr. Chris Bruce. Chris, how's it going today? Man, I'm doing excellent. How about yourself, man? I'm doing amazing, man. And uh, you just told me that you're talking to me out of Tampa. And I kind of, you know, we normally take it back in the time machine right right at this point. But really, really quick, I mean, I wanted to get into something right before this call. And I was like, well, I might, I might as well save that for the interview. You said you have your whole year of trips planned. And yes. we are all about lifestyle design on the show. So tell me some of the things you have coming up, man. Sure. So I have... Uh, what is I'm thinking about my next trip? Well, I don't really call Orlando because it's, it's only an hour away, but I have an event to go to in Orlando next month. I'm what are we in February? So I have a, a wedding plan to go to Cancun this summer. I have an event in Las Vegas in May. I have to go through it's called Thrive that I'll be in. I have to go, I need to go to Austin twice this year to meet up with my mentor, um, he's my digital marketing mentor. And then probably going to end up going to Thailand for a friend's birthday in September. And so all the other little little things that I will be doing would just be kind of going back to like, I got a few different events that I need to go to uh, Miami. When are you going to Miami? I'll be back. I just actually just hosted my uh, first event this past. First event ever? Well, my second event. First event for this year. Yep. That was my retreat, which was really a huge success. Uh, but I'm hosting another one in October, but I'll be going back to Miami for, well, a few different things. I'll be going to Miami for this concert, Rolling Loud or whatever. I'll be going there in May. And then um, I have a few different events that's going on there as well, too, that I'll be going back. I always go to Miami, though. Miami's like my second home. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope, man. So let me, let me ask you this, Chris. Have you told your boss yet? Have you called in at work and told your boss that you're going to be taking off all these days? Oh, man. <laughs> I get another line. Chris, man, I got to take off. My <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So let, let's kind of let's kind of get into the time machine really quick to figure out how you are able to do what it is that you're doing and how you're doing some things that people are just like, man, this is crazy. I wish I could be doing this. Let's let's take it back to maybe 18 year old Chris or 25 year old Chris. I mean, even eight year old. Okay. Where did you start having some of these these maybe mixed feelings or thoughts and emotions about entrepreneurism or even just real estate? Yeah. So I remember like growing up. You know, my mom, she pretty much always worked a job and, you know, she started, started little side businesses here and there, you know, with like Mary Kay, the whole MLM stuff and some other things. Never really successful. But my dad was always that big inspiration because 
growing up, he always he had a, a job at Ford working there. He made really good money, but he also always had a side business. So he was involved in uh, real estate. But before then, he had a very successful tax business. It only went on for like four or five months out of the year, but he would make a lot of money. And I see him, you know, working at this business and seeing all the clients that loved him. And he had me going there as a young, you know, 10 year old filing papers and doing little things inside, you know, the office and meeting some of his clients. I was just like, man, I think I want to do this one day. And growing up, you know, in my family of what is it, five of us, two sisters on my mom's side, two brothers on my, on my dad's side. I was never the smartest kid, right? So like I was the guy that was like a C-level type of student and my brothers, you know, so they were getting all A's and B's and stuff. So I, I kind of realized like, you know, this school thing and the whole college thing probably might not be for me, you know, but it's just early on, right? This is 13 and 15, you know, just like, you know, I don't know. We'll see, right? But just seeing him, you know, with the whole business thing and, and, and just seeing how successful he was and seeing the growth every time, like going into a house when I was, you know, 16 years old and seeing that he had totally renovated and he helped me like renovate. I was the guy that had to paint the walls and I was like, this is cool. You know, like I might want to do this one day. And, and that's what kind of got me just the idea of like owning your own business. That's dope. That's dope. So you, you kind of had this progression. This, this kind of started in the earlier years, like you were 10 years old and this was maybe something that you thought about, something that you did, something that you experienced. But as we get older, we start finding our own passions, our own way. And we kind of maybe even get derailed and go do something else. So maybe you, you went off to play basketball or football or chess, or you went off to do something. Right. And then maybe a little bit later on, you were like, man, there was, there was this thing I used to do with my dad. And I remember that this was, this, this was actually a viable path. Like what, what kind of happened next? What, what was your transition into getting into real estate or back into real estate after? Sure. Years? Yeah. So I actually kind of got thrown in real estate. Uh, this was, I, so this is kind of give you guys a story. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I was born and raised there at the age of 19. I had to make a decision. I was, you know, not really doing too good uh, as far as the decisions I was making. And so got into a little bit of trouble. And my mom was like, you know, she was divorcing from her husband at the time. And she was like, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to move out of Detroit. I think we need to start a new life. And so she decided that it was time for us to move to Florida. But she left it up to me because I was 19. It was like, hey, do you want to move with me to Florida or you want to stay with your dad in Detroit? And my dad was going through a divorce himself and some different things with bankruptcy and, and stuff like that going on or whatever the case may be with his business is failing. And so I was like, I don't know if I want to stay in Detroit. I think I'm going to just leave. And I'm glad I made that decision to leave because a year later, my dad took my grandma and she got sick and he moved back to Jamaica. That's where they're originally from. But um, long story short, um, I was down here in, in, in Tampa. My dad was in Jamaica and it was, this was the height of real estate bubble. Like this was 2006 and this was right before the crash. So it was like anybody with a pulse could get a loan, right? They had these no doc loans where, you know, you, anybody could get a property. So he was like, yo, I got an opportunity for you to make a little money up front. You know, you got your credit. That's okay. But I can get you a property in Detroit. And I'm like, mm. I'm like 21, you know, about to be 22. I'm like, I don't know about that. But when he told me I could make $9,000 up front, I'm like, shoot, you know, I ain't had, never had $9,000 in my possession at one time. Right. So I was like, sure, let's do it. So he put all the paperwork together from Jamaica. He got with the lady, the mortgage broker, put everything together. I ended up closing on a property on Detroit, uh, east side on Beaconsfield. I'll never forget. And uh, it was a three-bedroom, two-bathroom property, two-story home. And 
the mortgage was ninety nine thousand. My my mortgage was like five twenty five a month, and I didn't even know how I can afford it. But I was like, hey, I can just. He was like, oh, I'll help you rent it out. You know, you get a tenant, you'll be fine. I'm like, all right, cool. And so that's what got me into real estate. Was I literally bought a rental property with my credit, which I don't even know how I got approved. But again, that was when the no doc low stuff was going on, and I'm. 21 years old with a $99,000 mortgage. I'm only making $12 an hour <laughs> at my job, but I have $9,000 that put out of equity that I was able to put in my pocket. So I felt rich. I was like, shoot, I got nine grand. Like, I'm good. <laughs> and that was with my introduction to real estate. Man, that's all. So this all, this all kind of stemmed from a property that your dad saw or he, yeah, he kind of like, opened up? Yeah, like he literally had someone that, could put these no doc loans together. And so I bought a property and I was actually getting ready to buy a second one, but I don't know for whatever reason I couldn't. And like my brother, he had bought three. And so, yeah, we, it was just, everybody was getting these properties and was taking money out of the equity up front and stuffing it in their pocket. Man. So what's crazy is I'm going to be in Jamaica for the rest of the month. So I'm going to go visit pops and I'm going to go get a few properties. In the <laughs> <laughs> actually, what's crazy about me going to Jamaica is I'm actually going to be in Miami right after I go to Jamaica. I'm going straight to Miami. So uh, if you need anything, man, let me know. I can definitely uh, no get some pops and, and bring it to you, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but no, but no, seriously, like this is this is really good because this is kind of where your your ambition kind of kind of kind of kind of. I guess kind of got focused, right? Yeah. Because you didn't you didn't know what was possible for Chris at the time. Nope. I mean, what was before before this call from Dad? Like, what was your vision? What was your outlook? What, what were your plans? Like, did you think that you were going to be super successful? What, what was, I mean, did you even have a plan past the first year? No, honestly, I didn't have a plan at all. Like, I was going from job to job. Um, I had, so this was two thousand six when I got that property. So I moved to Tampa July fourth, two thousand four. Right. So I got a job. I was making pretty good money. I was working my, hey, you know, I don't want to curse on everybody, but working my <laughs> butt off. Like I was going crazy. Like I was working like, it was time I worked 70 hours a week. You know, it was unlimited overtime because there was all these hurricanes that came here and I was working for a claim adjuster company. And, you know, like I was really working as much as I could. And I was trying to go to community college at the time. And I started to realize that this college stuff wasn't really, wasn't really for me. And I told my mom, I said, look, mom, I'm going to be honest with you. I just ready to work. Like, I'm not really trying to do this college thing. So, you know, fast forward to right a year before, I didn't have life figured out. I was working, you know, a customer service job at $12 an hour, which was okay. But what's crazy is like in between that time, which I didn't even know was going to come, I literally lost my job. Like I got this property and everything else and I lost my job because they outsourced the company. So I had no idea, no, I didn't know what my life was going to look like. I just know eventually something had to come along that would get me because I always had dreams of being rich. I always had dreams of living a certain lifestyle. I just had no way of how that was going to happen. Man. So this blessing kind of falls in your lap and it comes from dad of all places. So that's beautiful. Right. And I mean, did you, I know this is not what happened, but did you immediately was like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And you started hitting success out of the gate or did you have some trouble along the way? Oh man, it was so much trouble. So like, when I got this property and I was like, okay, I got $9,000. And I, I mean, I thought I was rich, really. Like I was literally going to the club, popping bottles, you know, my uh, friends. <laughs> and I put some of my friends on. So then they started making money. And then I first went to Miami and I was like, okay, this is not really any money because people in Miami got a lot of real money, like millions. Um, so it was a wake up call. But like the thing was, is that I had the tenant in there. 
he was paying the mortgage or whatever. I wasn't pocketing really anything, but it was fine. The mortgage was paid. I had my money. So I was like, okay, I'm good. And then all of a sudden, I didn't know because the guy that rented out my property was actually like a guy that I like was friends with. We actually had to work together. And I didn't know that he sold drugs. Like I had no idea. And he wasn't selling drugs at my house, but he was selling it around the corner. And he got shot and killed. So now I don't have any tenant in my property. Our property actually gets burnt down, but then insurance comes and fixes up or whatever the case may be. But a year later, the market crashes. So I'm like, I can't sell this property. I can't keep up coming out of money out my own check to pay this mortgage. I'm going to just let it go. You know, so I literally, a year later, I, I get the property foreclosed on. So now my credit is shot. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Like I'm searching, I'm online, literally searching for ways to make money online, like other different things to figure out because I'm like, yo, my credit is down below is, I've never saw it below this level, right? So I'm like, I can't even get approved for anything. And I'm like, I'm broke. Like I'm paying bills and I really don't have much, but maybe a hundred dollars left over after the check maybe. So yeah, man, it was, it was a very rocky road, man. They're trying to just figure out, you know, life. And then this is 2007. So Chris, real quick, let's, let's, let's yeah. sit in it. A lot of people okay. like, to, like, like to pass up this section and kind of have, uh, go over it, but let's kind of sit in this real quick because okay. I know there are tons of people out, out here who are in the position that you were in back then or right. in a similar position. And they're just like, man, like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to go about getting myself out of this situation. Talk, let's talk about, I mean, let's first and foremost, talk about the mindset that you needed to actually get out of this. Because it, I mean, most people that are in a situation like that, I see tons of people who are like, I hate real estate, or this is what real estate did to me, or the crash did this and blah, blah, blah. And they, they have this external blame to all these other factors, but themselves. Mm-hmm. But you're sitting here in front of me today and look, you, you're still in real estate, even though you had this crazy debacle. So what right. was your mindset at the time? And how did you use what, what was you know, between your ears to get yourself mm-hmm. out of that situation? Well, one thing I will credit my dad to is that, I mean, I literally saw my dad in high school at the same time losing his wife, at the same time his construction business, you know, going down and having to file bankruptcy on that. All these things going on at the same time losing my granddad, he didn't shed a tear. It's like I didn't see no emotion from him. And I'm like, that kind of like breeded me to realize that no matter what's going on in your life is that, you know, it's happened for a reason, one, but two, you can't let those things bring you all the way down. You can't let them break you down, you know, and I don't know if it was a thing that he didn't want to see, you know, one of those situations, I don't want to see you sweat, you know, or whatever. I don't know what it is, but it's like, I never saw him like break down ever. And so just thinking about it, like now, subconsciously, that was training me. And so all these things that happened, what was going on, I didn't let it break me. Like, Granted, you know, I did stuff to maybe kind of like use that as a leverage to to not really think about things like maybe going out and drinking and things like partying and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure that was a very big help, but I didn't let that stuff get to me. I knew I was going to find something eventually, you know, so it was never a self-doubt of like, oh, the world's ending now, right? <laughs> or, oh man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, this is going to be my life. The rest of- Chris, 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 but, but what were those beliefs? Like, what were you, what would you constantly repeat to yourself? I mean, you're, you're going into foreclosure, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're in a whole new, and it sounds like you're in Florida, so you're in a whole new state. It's you yes. and your mom. There's a whole lot that's going on around you, but, but you're, you're repeating something to yourself. You're constantly keeping yourself motivated. You're constantly mm-hmm. keeping yourself in a positive space. What do you, are you, are you like, I'm going to figure this out? Or are you like, 
like, I know that in the next year, like something's going to break wind. Like, what are you, what are you repeating to yourself to make sure that you're actually still moving forward? Yeah. So for me, I mean, at that point I did have a friend that was still doing the business and I thought about it. Like his mortgage was way more higher than us. He had a $300,000 house. So I'm like, if he has a $300,000 house that he foreclosed on and he's still doing the business throughout this whole crash and economy failing, I'm like, he's not worried. We're still partying. We're still having fun. He's still making money. There's got to be something else that I don't know that I have to figure out because he's still making money. Granted, his money's not coming every month, but he would literally make like 20 grand and then he won't make money for another three months, but he was still making money. So I was like, all right, I got to figure this stuff out. So the, the combination between my, my, my ears was like, this is not the end of the world. This is not the end of the world. I will figure something out and I'm not going to let this stuff get to me. You know, um, I'm going to figure it out. And then something's going to happen. Yep. All right. So now, now we set the scene. We painted this picture for everybody and we know where Chris is, Chris is at this time. Okay. <laughs> so what happens next? How do you get yourself out of this predicament? Yeah. So fast forward, I'm in a relationship with my daughter's mom at the time and I didn't have a kid. So we wasn't, wasn't, you know, uh, expecting a kid yet, but fast forward 2008, I find out, okay, I'm getting ready to have a, a, a daughter. Right. So I'm like, shoot, like I'm going to start my year on 2009 and have a kid. And I'm like, okay, I got to figure something out. I, because now I have somebody to take responsibility of, take care of now, and I'm barely taking care of myself, right? And so I started getting into other little MLMs. Like I started figuring out that there was like an MLM, you can make a couple of dollars here and or do this little online thing and make a little money here. And so I started making little strides and things. It wasn't really a lot of money. I made make $50 here, $75 here. But it, this helped build the confidence up of like, okay, at least you're making a little bit more extra than what you're making at your job. And so that all of that stuff happened. And then when my daughter came February, 2009, that's when stuff really hit me. I was like, okay, I have a huge responsibility. And now I have to live up to surpass what my dad expectations and the things that he gave me. I was spoiled on my dad's side. I had everything I wanted and more. And now I was like, okay, I can't live life just about me. This is now about providing a different life for her better than what I had, which is going to be already challenging because the bar is already set so high. So that's when things started to shift for me. Hmm. I like that. I like that. So it sounds like this may have been when you stuck where you stumbled upon what you um what you've actually like built today, which is which is your wholesale business. Is that the very first business? So yep. so so walk me through that. What was would you did you read a book? Did you find a mentor? Did you hear it on a radio show and you're like, let me go look this up? What was the impetus of that? Yeah, so 2009, uh, after she was born in February, this was around May, Memorial Weekend in Miami. I'll never forget this. So hey. I had a little money. Right. And me and my friends, we went down, we had a ball down there. But what hit me was I was always searching online, searching for things to make more money online and things like that. And I came across one guy and I was like, oh, he's OK. He was talking about wholesaling a little bit. I'm like, uh, you know, whatever. And I came across he promoted someone else, this guy named Preston Ely. And I'm like, hold on, this guy's in Tampa. And he had flipped the house the same weekend I was in Miami, he flipped the house and made, I think it was like 12 grand. And it was across the street from a house that my daughter's mom owned. And so I was like, hold on, I just spent $1,000 in Miami. 
trying to have fun impressing girls and doing this all the crazy stuff. And this guy literally made $12,000 across the street from a house that my girlfriend owns. Mm. Something, something, something. So I start, and then what got me was his lifestyle. He will, he had the nice cars. He took vacations. He was just showing his lifestyle and everything he kept preaching was the word that stood out to me was freedom. And I was like, that's what I'm after. Now you you talking to me. You talking directly to me. Freedom is what I'm after. And that's what got me in. And I, I didn't have the money at the time. I begged my, my daughter's mom to put it on her credit card. We spent $997 on his course, which was how to flip REO properties, which is you know the foreclosure properties from the bank. And that's what got me started in business. Man, I love that. And it, it, listeners, again, I mean, we've had quite a few guests on the show to talk about wholesaling. So we're not even going to get into what wholesaling is and how you can do it. We're actually going to going to progress through uh, Chris's journey because I think it's going to be very pivotal kind of see like what Chris does next to kind of build his business. So how long are you or how, so you started wholesaling in 2009. Mm-hmm. How long have you been? I mean, just think about the, the progression, maybe 2009, 2010, so 2011. And you're doing this, you're starting to be successful. You're actually showing some of your friends probably how to do this. And, you know, Things are going good. Things are going for you. When do you decide that it's time to maybe make another business or do, is it like everybody's situation is different? Yeah. Uh, some people have a situation to where somebody walks up to you and is like, hey, I want to learn how to do what you're doing. And right. they're like, pay you for it. And eventually, oh, maybe I can do this. Or some yeah. people are like, oh, I know that I want to do this. I'm going to try to do this, which is me. I'm going to try to do this and see if people will come. So what was your foyer into your very next business? Sure. So... Fast forward, uh, after a few months, finally got my first deal closed, started to make some money, you know, here and there. And 2010, I want to give a little little backstory. So 2010, I read a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Hopefully everybody on this call has already read it or at least heard about it. I read that book, Jay Ray. So like this guy I took on, he was more of, he was more like a mentor to me, not necessarily a direct mentor, but this guy Preston, like I, I literally everything he told me to do, I did. So I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I knew from there, January 2010, I was like, I'm quitting my job. I'm wasting my time giving these people my hours of the day where I can be focused on my business. So fast forward, May two, May 2010, May 7th, I quit my job, cold turkey, didn't give a two-week notice, just left. And I was like, I gotta figure this business out. And I quit around the same time that a friend of mine uh, that I met through my sister, which became one of my best friends, he was at a point of quitting his job too. And he wanted to get into wholesaling. So he was like, yo, take me under your wing, show me. So I was like, okay, sure. So we both kind of was on that same grind, that same journey. You know what I'm saying? At the same time around May, June, 2010. And like, I showed him I do his first deal. And I'm like, well, wow, this, wow, hold on. How did he get a deal so quick? Faster than I did. Like it took me a long time. How do I share with him the same stuff I know he got a deal? So I'm like, okay, that's great. Mm, so then I started put it on YouTube, right? I was like, I'm going to start documenting stuff. Then I had somebody else reach out to me. It was like, yo, you know, show me how to do this. So I'm like, all right, cool. And I wasn't charging them anything. I was just like, all right, I'll just show you. Just give me a testimony once you close the deal. Same thing happened. He closes the deal. And I'm like, yo, how did these people close the deal faster than I did? Like what? This doesn't make any sense at all. And then this was the icing on the cake. So and let me do a little backstory. 2010 was not just projected up. Like 2010 was probably the best and worst year of my life. And the reason why I say that is because when I quit my job, I didn't have any money stacked up. Um, I still had a daughter to take care of and I had to go back and live with my mom on the couch 
Not to mention, I wasn't making money consistently. So I ended up getting my, my BMW, for, uh, not foreclosed, but it ended up getting it repossessed. And so I didn't have a car. But fast forward to 2010, the end of the year, I ended up winning like a launch from my mentor that he was holding for a promotion for his company. And I won a Hummer. Um, it was crazy. I won like oh, a wrapped, wow. yeah, I won a wrapped Hummer with my company name, logo, and phone number. It was crazy. So won that and, and software and things like that. But the thing was, was that when I won that, it sparked other people because he promoted it to his list. It sparked other people that was like took an interest right in Right place, right, right time. Yeah, <laughs> right time. I'm like, oh, this is great. So like this guy from New Zealand, he reached out to me. And he was like, yo, I got a U.S. business account. I got a U.S. bank account. The whole nine, I got Freedom Soft, you know, which was the software my mentor was promoting. And I'm like, he's like, but I don't, I don't know how to market. Like, I'm doing this stuff from this one lady. And I'm like, it's not working. So I was like, all right, you give me 100 bucks. I'm going to show you how to get your first deal. Mm-hmm. He's like, sure, no problem. PayPal's me $100. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is probably like maybe like October 2000. 10 around that time. So then we end up doing some marketing. This was in South Florida. Uh, the deal that he had, I can't remember the exact city. I always forget it. I can't remember, but it was a town and he ends up uh, getting the property under contract. I end up helping him out. Now, mind you, he is in New Zealand, mm. the property in South Florida, right? We doing everything over the phone and the computer. End up finding a buyer through somebody I knew. We all split $9,000 this was December 2010. I'm like, hold on. I just showed a guy from a whole nother country. <laughs> he just made $9,000. I'm like, I'm on to something. Like, this is, this, I might be able to do an educator. Like, this is the third person I've helped. And I didn't help somebody do a deal from over the phone and computer. Mm. I'm like, this is like, this is different. And so that's what sparked my idea to get into the whole education business in 2011. That's dope. That's really dope, man. That's an awesome story. What did, what did your mentor have to say about that? He he was he was he was like, man, this is this is good. Like he's like, that's the whole goal of you is to, you know, he said you always want to have one hand up to a mentor and one hand down to a mentee all the yep. time. And yep. so like, you're following the exact process I gave you. That's dope. That's dope. So this is 2010, 2011, and you decide to become like this, this real estate culture, helping people along, along their real estate journey. And so you've been doing this now coming up on a decade pretty soon. How does it feel like it's been a decade? Man, it's like the time went by so fast, man. I mean, there's so many deals I've done. There's so many people I've helped to just hear myself say the decade. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Like, right. it's- it's crazy. So crazy. That's dope. That's dope. So, so you started, so you built, so you, you started wholesaling and you have, it's almost, it's almost like you have this, this stream of income through wholesaling. It's not consistent, but it's, you're getting these deals right. and you start coaching and consulting. And this is around 2010, 2011. Talk yeah. about the next progression for you, because I know that you said some of your mentors are in the digital marketing space. And yep. this is like where I thrive. I love, I love talking about businesses and digital businesses and, and okay. email funnels and all this stuff. So talk yeah. about kind of your next progression. Sure. So what I realized after that transaction with the guy from New Zealand was like, okay, I could actually set my business up like that as well. Like I just need to follow everything that I taught them. And so what I started to do was put a team in place. I started hiring virtual assistants. I started doing some marketing campaigns and hiring some other administrative staff, you know, in the Philippines to start doing some of the legwork for me and then hiring people on the ground. And so I started to go into some other markets and my business started to progress too, because now I was starting to do exactly the same thing I taught him how to do and not relying on myself to run the business. 
So then I started to say, okay, also I want to learn education uh, style of business. Now I created my first course. My friend helped me build it. I didn't know anything about sales copy or how to promote it, but I was steadily always promoting on YouTube and showing my journey. I was, I would take a trip. Like I literally went from 2010. I probably made, I don't know, maybe 40,000 that year to 2011 was my breakthrough year. I made my first hundred thousand dollars, you know? And so I document everything in YouTube of my closings. I was literally traveling. I did a deal one time in 2011 where I literally was walking into my hotel. My cash buyer was calling me for the property I had in a whole other city that they wanted to buy. And like me doing that transaction, like I came home from my trip and I came home to a check. So instantly yeah. I put the camera on. I had doctor, listen, I just made quick $6,000 <laughs> on vacation. You know, made all the money I spent back in some. And so that progressively like started to grow the education side. People were trying to reach out for a mentor. And I told them, hey, look, this is how much the mentorship program is. If they couldn't afford it, I say, here's a course for $97. You can get into that. And that's what started to really progress everything with the digital marketing side and mentoring side of the educational business was just showing my lifestyle, you know, just showing, hey, listen, I'm, I'm in Vegas and my business is still running, right? I'm in Miami, my business still, I'm in New York, you know, and so that's what kind of really, I was like, I want to share with people that, you know, you can look like me, you could be as young as me, and you can make money and still have the lifestyle that you want. You know, for me, traveling was everything. I wanted to see the world. That's the reason why I got in the business. And I wanted to document, to share with people that you can be my color, my age, right? You can have my education background, didn't pass college, you know, barely passed high school, and be able to live this type of lifestyle. And that was my whole thing. And that's what kind of sparked my, one of my quotes that I always tell people, don't live the dream, live your dream. Mm, I love it. Yep. I love it. That's awesome, man. So I'm kind of, I'm taken back by our story because it's really fascinating. And I can relate to a lot of parallels, especially me being a, an entrepreneur and kind of following the same exact things that you've done and having those same exact moments. And, you know, when you think about, and have you started investing in real estate? Like I know that you do a whole lot of um, real estate professionally, like transactions, but have you yeah. started like putting your money back and investing in real estate? When did oh, you, you start investing? So I really started to, when my, when my dad moved to Jamaica and he started seeing my progression with the business and stuff, I started looking at opportunities to purchase uh, land and build properties in Jamaica. So right now I have two properties. One of them was rented out Airbnb. And then the other one, um, he's kind of living in it that we've built and we're probably going to end up turning it to Airbnb as well too. But that's when I kind of, that was like 2014, 2014. Uh, I was like, okay, because... It's so crazy. I had so many opportunities to like really invest and buy and hold properties and me being young, you know, and not really like thinking, even though my dad was telling me, like I wasn't thinking about cash flow. And so like now, you know, that's my whole thing is like, what can I do to build cash flow? Right. And I'm waiting for the downturn in the market that's going to happen to start buying properties once these properties are on, you know, cheap um, and, and America's on sale. That's when I'm going to start doing a lot more investing and holding on some of these deals. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. And again, going, going through your progression, it seems as though you've been able to take what you've learned in a, in a prior area, prior arena, you've been able to use that to your benefit. I mean, thinking about the fact that you started, you started wholesaling, I think in 2008 or nine. And it's one of those things where, say that again. Yeah. 2009. Yep. 2009. It's one of those things to where 
you quickly realized through this, this New Zealand quote unquote partnership that you were teaching this guy a whole lot of things that, that you had to kind of figure out as you went. So like how he can invest from, you know, so far away. And right. as you were kind of teaching this guy, because you're, you're learning how to implement some of these things, you're like, wait, I can do some of these things for myself. I can use this to build my business. And then, it, I mean, I don't know if you had like, if you read this book or if you had a mentor hold your hand, but it sounds like that year you just decided I'm going to hire all these people. I'm going to build this system. Where did you start getting some of that information from? Like you're building, like I remember when I, when I built my first real estate system, going back to a course, I spent, I was in the middle of a money race for an apartment complex and I was stressed out. I was about to lose my job. And I was just like, this course is going to be my way to freedom. So I can teach people how to start. I started in house hacking. So I can okay. teach people how to house hack. I spent three four months on the course. I didn't have a proven system. I didn't have a, a minimum viable product. I didn't show, I didn't already test the product and see if people actually wanted my product, but mm -hmm. I worked tirelessly, Chris. I worked mm -hmm. tirelessly for like three, four months. Ended wow. up losing my job, ended up not raising money for the deal. And then when it came time to launch the course and, and promote the course and sell the course, I made $0 on the course, right? Man. So I didn't have a proof of concept, but I mean, I've learned so much now and like everything is so different now. And, but it was because I had those earlier trials, those earlier moments, I was able to use that, learn from that, grow and build and then figure out, well, how do I actually build a system? Like, I know I'm a real estate investor, but I'm not yet what I call a business owner. So right. how did you make that transition? I know you probably had a few failures as well before you finally started dialing things in. How did you make that transition? Yeah. So what I would tell you, the biggest thing that that was for me was my mentor always focused not just on teaching real estate, but personal development. And so I started going on this journey of personal development. I started reading books. I had never really read a book since like probably, I don't know, high school, um, since I graduated. So like I started, he started talking about these books and reading and was like, yo, you got to work on yourself more than you do your business. Like your business can only grow to the extent that you do. So I, as all this stuff was happening, I was reading books. So like one of the books that, and I don't want to give it away too early because I know we're going to talk about one of my favorite books, but for our work week, that book Ooh. changed my life, man. That yeah. book changed my, that, that's when I started realizing like, okay, what I'm looking for is exactly what he explains in this book. And he, he went so, and, and not just giving you the like vision of what life can look like. He actually got into like the strategic step-by-step, -step, like hiring virtual staff, putting these systems in place, these softwares in place. And so that's when I was like, okay, these are the things I need to do to put my business where it needs to be. So that way it can run without me physically having to do every single thing step by step, you know? Yeah. And so I credit him, uh, Tim Ferriss for our work week and some more books we can talk about later um, that really helped guide me into like really turn it into a real business where I'm not just a one man band. You know, I love, that. I love that, man. So thinking about some of these investments and that's like a $10 investment, right? Yeah. And you would, you wouldn't even think that a $10 investment can have that type of return on your life. And I think about that as well. Like my favorite book probably to date is the four hour work week. And I literally just got off of a call interviewing somebody else and he's, he's in Thailand. He's a SEO, this SEO like magnate, right? And okay. he's doing crazy things, but his whole business was built upon that one book. <laughs> you know? uh -huh. That's what we talked about the whole time, but it's crazy how powerful that book is. And again, it's a $10 investment. Now you think about your training, you think about the mentoring you've gotten, you think about the courses you've taken, you think about the people who've been able to pour into you. What's one of the most, or maybe the best worthwhile investments you've ever made? And this can be an investment of money. This can be an investment of time, or this can be an investment of energy. What have you seen the most return of? Hmm. Man, that's, that's a hard one, man. Cause I've definitely, at this point now, I've made a lot of investments. Like I just, Literally, I did. I did the biggest investment in a mentor 
for my digital marketing company this past November, which was $14,000. But I would say biggest ROI, I'm going to say this probably. The biggest ROI was this program that, that was, I got it free with the purchase of my software, which was three grand, but it was the personal development I got from a mentor. I think that still has to be the biggest ROI. It was called the red pill. So he, he, he named it kind of like after that whole matrix, like, Hey, you can take the blue pill, the red pill. Right. And so my mentor is like my friend. Now I could text him and stuff like that. But at the time when he made it, you know, he was to me like a celebrity type of, you know, guru or whatever. But that probably still to this day is the best ROI because it not, only took me down the business journey of how to start, you know, putting things into place, but like the person's development of everything that I realized how I had to really, some of the shift or some of the different ways I thought my processes, like subconsciously there were things that were holding me back and I had to relearn and retrain my brain. And he got me all these books I started getting into. Reading. Give me, Chris, Chris, give me one thing that you, that you, that you can remember right now that was holding you back. Just one of those things. Uh, my limit belief of, of money, the scarcity of money. I knew that. I knew. I, look, I feel like we're so relatable. So I was like, <laughs> I, know, I know some of the things you were going yeah. through. Yeah. yeah. And, and which and what your value was. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's that, that was the biggest thing because I was like, in a sense, I was, I was chasing money. All right. And I was making it seem like money was hard to get. And for a very long time, it felt like money was hard to get, but mm-hmm. it was not hard to get it was hard to keep because of my relationship with money mm. i got it <laughs> <laughs> oh so so what 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 did you implement or what are some of the exercises or what was the advice that that was given to kind of help you work on this i know it's something that you still work on every yeah. day because it's not yeah. perfect right? right but what's some of the things that you started doing to kind of change that so i had to look at one of my other favorite books still to this day another cheap investment i read it every single year to keep just the, the, the ideas and just keep my mind afloat on it. It's Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Powerful book. Powerful book. And that's what started my journey on understanding the relationship I have with money is not going to work if I want to become a millionaire. It's not going to work if I want to become wealthy because I don't think or act like a millionaire. I think and act like somebody that's poor. You know, as soon as the money comes in, I'm spending it. I'm not thinking about investing it. I'm thinking about spending it for pleasures. Right. And so that book, which was my mentor told me about, was the book that like, okay, you have to stop. As soon as you get money, you're going to go buy it, blow it in the club. You're going to go buy new shoes. You're going to go buy new clothes. You're going to get these things that honestly really don't mean anything. You're just trying to use it to feed your ego, make you feel like you're important. Right. When you can actually take that money, invest it in business, that's going to bring you more money. Right. You can still take some money out to play. Right, but don't blow the whole money that you get. You should not get ten thousand dollars on a deal and spend eight thousand dollars of it. <laughs> Put two thousand back into the business. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's so that's that. what it was for me. Yeah, that's what it was for me. It's just understanding my, my relationship with money and how I view money and realizing that it's just a tool. There's plenty for a lot of it. There's so much money out there and it's so easy to make. Right. But the relationship you have with it, how you use it is the most important thing. Chris, did you think that this is what we were going to kind of talk about on this show today? I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you're probably like getting ready for all these wholesale questions and things like that. But no, I, this, is, this is what I love to explore because I think, I think mindset is a, is a major, major component of our success and how we can achieve success and especially our mindset towards money. Now, I know personally, like I haven't calculated in a while, but I don't know, last year I used to tell people like I've spent over 70, 80 grand on coaching and mentoring and consulting. Like it's not 
you know, it's, it's one of those things to where my returns on those things have been astronomical. So when somebody hears you say something like I'm spending 14 grand on a coach, like to me, I mean, amongst us, that's, that's like, okay, cool. Like you're, you're going to, you're going to see that as you're going to see that return as long as you believe that you're going to get that return. But somebody out there is like, what, what do you, why? Like, so is this an expense for you or is this an investment? Like what do, how, what's your viewpoint on on spending that much money? Yeah, no, it was investment. Like I'm in masterminds. I spend, you know, five, 10 grand for, um, as well. You know, this is the biggest, largest to one person that I've spent and I was, I'm going to spend way more. Like, you know, my thing now is to get it to $25,000 mastermind for me. You know, I realized that first off the, you got to spend money to get around high level people. And that's like one of the most important things is either getting the mentorship for somebody or getting into a high level circle of people that are where you're at, you know, where you want to be. So me, everything is an investment for me now at this point. Like, I'm not scared to spend like you obviously want to make sure it's valuable, right? Make sure you're going to get around uh, and have the resources and things that, you know, the value is going to exceed the, the amount that you're going to spend. But man, I don't see any other way at this point now. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, man. And it's crazy because exactly what you touched on earlier. I don't know if you touched on this because of this reason, but it's one thing I noticed mm-hmm. when you were talking to the people who had, who, who I mean, you went through like, um, I think it was almost a year to where you, you, it took you to get your first deal or take you to start, start kind of figuring out what was going on. But as you yeah. taught people, their learning curve was so much smaller. Like they, they yeah. would get their deals almost instantly. Right. And you think about the fact that, well, the person they learned from went through a ton of mistakes. Yep. They went through a ton of trials and tribulations. So right. what you're receiving from them is like the, the, the essentials, the, the, the mm-hmm. here, this is exactly what you need and you'll be good. Right. And you get to your goal a whole lot faster because yep. you learn from somebody who's already been through those mistakes so that you could circumvent that. And that's what, that's what we're doing with mentoring. So that, man, Chris, that's beautiful. So now let's, let's walk all the way up to present day because as we talked about your before the minute story, we want to see where Chris is now. What do you have going on right now? What does your day-to-day life look like today? Yeah, so my day like day to day life is busy but great. It is and it's only as busy as I want it to make it, right? So like the good thing is I have a team of uh we just hired two new people. So three it's about a team of, of seven of us um so far. And then I got color contractors and things like that um as well. But this, like the way my life now is 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 so like Great, because one, my real estate business, the day-to-day operations, I don't handle any of that. So I have a team of acquisitions, dispositions manager. I have uh, two VAs, and I have some other little, like I said, contractors and stuff that do some co-calling and things for me as well. And I don't handle any of the day-to-day operations, right? So one of the things that I learned was like how to grow is you become a visionary or you are the visionary and you hire an integrator. So I've done it with the real estate business. So that's great. We got business going. We're still doing, you know, a couple of deals, two to three deals a month, you know, sometimes more, but during on the average about two deals a month and it's totally outsourced. I don't do any of the tasks. So that's great. My digital marketing business, the education side of the business has went to the next level. Literally like, it's crazy. I get sales and new customers every single day because I spend a lot of money on advertising and that business is totally passive. We're bringing in about anywhere from 150 to 190 new customers a, a month. That's and crazy. it's wonderful because the money is great, of course, right? And it's passive. So it's like I'm getting paid for the, you know, something that I built months ago. It just continues to, you know, keep paying me over and over and over. But also I'm helping so many more people. I have a, a few uh, clients that I have that I work personally with one-on-one as well. And um, it's just phenomenal, man, to see like the growth 
of the business. Now we're headed to hitting seven, seven figures this, this year with, with our digital marketing company. And um, I just been growing, you know, that, that with staff and t- putting team around it to the point where eventually, not yet, but eventually I would say probably in the second half of the year, I'm not going to be doing as much work as I'm doing now. But for me, man, it doesn't even feel like work. I absolutely love what I do. I wake up every morning excited to do what I do, man. It's, it's a total blessing. That's awesome, man. I feel the exact same way. You touched on, you touched on a digital marketing company. So maybe let me just get some clarity. Maybe just for me, yeah. maybe just caught on to it. But you have, you have an online course. Yes. Uh, and then you have a separate company that's a digital marketing company? Yeah, no, no. So it, well, I call it digital marketing because a lot of products that I sell are like digital products, right? So gotcha. that's gotcha. all courses that. Okay, okay. It's an education business. You can just say gotcha. that. Yep. Okay. That, okay. Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. So mm-hmm. last but not least to kind of round this out, when you, when you um, kind of get a personal experience from you or maybe an exercise, right? When you feel overwhelmed or you feel unfocused, or maybe you've just lost focus temporarily, what do you do to kind of just get yourself back in alignment? Oh, good question. So to kind of get myself in alignment, automatically what I do, I listen to podcasts. Uh, I'm a podcast host myself. And for me, there are times where I'm like, man, I, I just don't have it today. And so generally what I'll do, I used to like just pick up a book, but now I love listening to interviews or listening to other podcasts, you know, just talking about something. And that's what just, bam, I'm inspired right now. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do, ready to hit the ground running. You know, so that's for me, that's what I do is the podcast that just gets me sparked up and hyped to, to take on the day. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a new one. And I, it's a new one that I've heard on the show. But now that you say it, I feel like I, I've, I've probably done that a few times as well. I'm a big podcast person. I love listening to podcasts as well. I'm actually going to go check yours out. What is it called? So we could all check it out. What is it called? Sure. It's a Escape the Newbie Zone. Yep. Escaping the Real Yeah. If you go to EscapeTheNewbieZone.com, you can check it out. But yes, Escaping the Real Estate Investing Newbie Zone. Dope, dope, dope. Okay. Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? Oh, man. I have to say Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Boom. Secrets yeah. of the Millionaire Mind. We've already talked about that enough, guys. So you guys definitely check that book out. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Uh, Voxer right now. I communicate with my team on there. And uh, it's all Everybody you know. loves Voxer, man. I gotta I try it out. <laughs> yeah, I gotta try it out. Yeah. That's dope. Okay, Voxer, definitely. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I probably the best thing is that I literally can wake up and it, I'm not chasing money. So like money comes in throughout the day, every single day. And the best part about it is that I can literally wake up and say, hey, I don't want to work today and I won't do anything. And I want to worry that, hey, money didn't come in. Money will still be generated, you know, so because of the passiveness of the things that I have going on with the, with the education business. So that's what I love is that, you know, if I don't want to work today, I'm not working today. I have a, a question that's not ever been sure. in this, but I, I'm just kind of curious. Yep. With your experience and what you've been able to do in your, in your journey so far, how, what is your decision or what is your mindset on bringing up your, your daughter, you have, it was your daughter, right? Bringing up your, bringing up your daughter in this environment and giving her the ability to choose whether or not she wants to go the traditional route, which is what she sees most of her friends and people around her doing, or she's dad is doing and she wants to do something like this. What is, how have you kind of been, you know, I guess like, uh, like kind of talking to her or giving her like advice? What what do you, I get it. So like for me, because she she doesn't live with me full time and now I have a son, which my son is one who lives with me. 
which is going to be interesting to see how he is. But with my daughter, she's getting ready to turn 10 uh, this Sunday. I always talk to her about the things that I'm doing and I also give her the opportunity to see what I'm doing. So she's a YouTuber. She has her own YouTube um, account. She's starting to broadcast and do videos and stuff. And she sees, hey, my dad's on YouTube. He's very known. He's successful. You know, to her, she thinks, hey, my dad's rich. So her thing is like, okay, my mom is like, she has a totally different lifestyle, but what my dad has is what I want. And so I empower her to share with her to say, listen, you know, if you want to have this type of freedom, this type of money, this type of thing, is that you have to be able to touch more lives. And you can only touch so much lives if you work a job. You can touch the world if you have your own business. And so I, I, gave, I gave her books like this Christmas. I gave her this book. I can't think of the name of the book off top, but it was a book for kids. It's like Kidpreneur. And it teaches kids how to make money, how to be an entrepreneur at your age right now, different ideas. So she absolutely loved that book. Like I said, she has her own YouTube channel. She's really good at video editing. And um, I just allow her to see and share with her the things that are out there available to her that if you know, hey, listen, if you don't want to continue going down the college lane and school and things like that, or have a job, you can actually work for yourself and have your own business. I love that, man. And the listeners, I got to pay me for that question because I put out a nugget. <laughs> you, you, said, you said something along the lines of how many people you're helping. Do, do you remember that line? I want you to repeat it really. Sure. Quickly. Yeah. So my thing is, I told her that, you know, you can only put, you can only help so many people in the world when you have a job, right? There's only, depending on whatever your job is, like if you work for McDonald's, right? You can only help that many customers that come into the business that day. But when you own a business of your own, the impact that you have in the world is endless. You can help as many people as you want, but you're just limited with the job. And so that's the whole thing is that I tell people, if you, I tell my, my daughter, if you want to make a million dollars, you need to help a million people. Mm. Right. And so that's the reason why owning a business is the impact that you can have is just so much greater. I love it. I love it. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Man, I knew, you know, early on the, the whole, my bills stacked up and when I got my car repossessed, I knew those things were coming. And my mentor kind of pre-warned me on the things that, you know, if you are going to go down this path, that you're going to have to take some losses. There's going to be some challenges and things. I, I'm, there's times where friends end up not hanging around them a, a lot of times. There's times where I missed out on opportunities where Super Bowl was in Miami and I couldn't go because I had to focus on this business. Even time with my family, that was a sacrifice that I had to explain to them that was going to happen um, because I had to be laser focused on making this work. And I told them that this time would come Just have faith in me that it would happen. And so those are the sacrifices that I had to put in was just time with friends and family and then just taking losses that come a part of the game. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I want to dive into some of that some more, but we got to go. We got to go. <laughs> Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Outside of my dad and my mentor, I would say my grandma. My grandma, man, like she, and this is the reason why I have her, her, her tattooed on, on my on my arm is because like growing up, she always told me, Chris, and my grandma has a Jamaican accent and everything, whatever, she's from Jamaica. And she's always telling me, Chris, you know, be well-rounded. And she used to always get me prepared for the world. Like she would just give, she gave me the manners. She showed me like, you know, we would do job interview stuff where she would have me like act as I'm like interviewing for a job and she just really prepared me for the world. Like she took me, honestly, the reason why I love travel is because of her. My first train ride, my first plane ride at eight years old, my first trip to Canada at the age of three, all because of her. And so 
everything that she poured into me growing up as a kid all the way till I was older was what was like my biggest inspiration, man, and my biggest motivation. And so, like, I would say I'm where I am in life really because of her. I love that, man. That's dope. That's dope. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Good question, man. I I think uh, a lot of us are stuck because sometimes there's, there's a lot of different things. One, I would say, is some people are not very clear on their goals. And what I mean by that is some people will say, well, hey, you know, Chris, I want to make a million dollars. And it's like, okay, well, why do you want to make a million dollars? Um, because, you know, a million dollars is going to give me everything that I want. Um, you know, and, and I don't know, what are the things you want? Oh, I just want to retire my mom. And I'm like, okay, well, what if you could retire your mom without making a million dollars? What are you talking about? You know, so like some people are just not necessarily clear on their goals. Like for me, you know, there's different ways to make millions of dollars. I never had an intention on building a business that has 25 employees in the office to make a million dollars. I know some people that do. So some people are just not clear on their goals. And that's to not just be financially, it has to be spiritually, it has to be physically, it has to be, you know, your lifestyle wise. So you need to get clear on that, number one. Number two, you have to hang around people that are way above you. I don't want to be in a room all the time where I'm the smartest person. I want to be the dumbest person in the room. So that's another thing, guys, is that you people that are listening, guys and girls, make sure you find yourself in a room where you are the dumbest person in the room. That is essential to your growth. And number three is understanding that, listen, there are going to be challenges, okay? With this business, there are challenges. There's a quote, there's a meme that goes around that it was saying something about, I, I probably could find it real quick, but it was basically saying, let me see if I can find it real quick. Real quick. <laughs> but I don't know. I heard I might, it yeah, I might not be able to find it real quick, but it's okay. But basically it was just about like, when a child is learning how to walk, right? And they fall down 50 times. Never once did a child say, this is not for me. So some of you guys have to stick with whatever it is that you want to accomplish. Like me, I went through 26 properties that I didn't close until I closed the 27th one. And so it was understanding also that- You went through 26? 26 properties. (laughs) Every time I was ready to give up, but I did it. You know, and so that's the thing is like understanding that you're gonna come with challenges, right? You're trying to accomplish something that maybe have never been done in your family tree or, you know, whatever, right? That just hasn't been done that is is normal for most people. And so like the whole saying, if it was easy, everybody would do it. It's not gonna be easy. So keep continuing on and keep failing forward and everything will happen, but don't give up. The two-year-old don't give up falling and say, hey, I'm not gonna walk anymore. They do it until they finally figure it out. You need to do the same. I love it. I love it, man. I, I love the fact that you kind of highlighted this at the very end, but you went through 26 properties. 26, man. Man, 26. you know how many people would have gave up? I tell you all the time. <laughs> 26 dollars. <laughs> God, that, that's beautiful. So, I mean, what Chris is saying, he's not just telling you guys just to tell you guys this because it sounds cool. Like, this is actually what he's done to be successful. So, 
Chris, I love this so much. Now, if the listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, they want to you know, find out, find some of your products or get to know you a little bit more, maybe even reach out to you. Where can they find some of your information? Sure. Just go to uh, my website, escapethenewbiezone.com. Um, check that out. My blog, my podcast. Uh, you get into me, my, my Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff is on there too. So just check that out. Nice, nice, nice. Well, Chris, again, this has been a wealth of information and I know that I've gotten a ton of value. So I know the listeners have gotten, have gotten a ton of value as well. Um, man, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, there aren't too many people like us. I mean, you see a ton of real estate investors out there. Not everybody's pouring out. Not everybody's pouring back into the community. Not everybody's teaching. Not everybody's talking about the things that they've done to be successful. A lot of people are just, you know, you see people out there that are just flaunting and showing what it is. You know, and then they're not, they're not, oh, this is, this is how I did it, or this is how right. you can do it. You know? right. So I love that you're doing that. I love that you're, that you're doing, that you have this give back portion and piece of your business, and that's why you're thriving. So uh, until next time, Chris, we'll talk to you soon, man. Appreciate it.